Well, good morning again. Um, the, surf, the message today is on cultivating joy. And we are to be, Christians are to be a joyful people. The scripture comes from 1 Peter 1, 8. And it says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. We often use the terms happiness and joy interchangeably. But are they really the same? Happiness and joy are similar, but really quite different. The, the key point being that God promises us joy, but he never promised us happiness. I did a word search in my ESV Bible, English Standard Version, and to find out how many times the word joy was used in the Bible. And the word joy, rejoice, or joyful appear 430 times compared to happy or happiness, which appears 10 times. And one reason the Bible is so relentless in insisting on our joy is because of the goodness of God. Joy in the heart of the creator corresponds to the goodness or joy in the heart of the creature corresponds to the goodness in the heart of the creator. And being happy is an emotion, just like sadness or jealousy or fear. And it is fleeting. You may be happy about something, but you're not going to be continually happy all the time. Think of things which make you happy. Happiness is a wonderful feeling and one we all want and that we can, uh, but we can get happiness from a lot of things. For example, I find happiness when the weather cooperates with my beach vacation plans. <laughs> you know? Happiness also finds me when I smell fresh cut grass or better yet, bacon. <laughs> the joy of the Lord just washes over me when I smell bacon. It's just the best thing. And then there's always when my Georgia Bulldogs win, but they don't always. I have the last couple years, but, you know, when they don't, you know, that happiness fades. And, you know, so it is fleeting. Uh, we all want to be happy. We try hard to hold on to happiness. But happiness is dependent on happenings. There's something far more outlasting and available to us, and that's joy. Joy allows us to rise above difficult circumstances, challenges, and painful situations. Joy comes from knowing who is in control and knowing there is one who is far bigger than any problem and one who is far stronger than any challenge we face. Regardless of what is going on around us, we can still have joy knowing that God is on our side. Psalm 16 teaches us that by staying in God's presence, we will discover fullness of joy. And by staying close to God in his presence, through his word, and in continuous conversation with him, we will experience his joy. The fullness of it, the abundance of it, spilling out and overflowing. It's staying in his presence that is the difference. Happiness is dependent on happenings, how they go, what the outcome is. 
But true joy comes from spending time with God, talking, listening. Time with God builds our faith, our trust, and our joy. Happiness comes and goes. Joy remains. Joy is the long-lasting state of being. Joy is promised by God and something we should continually strive toward. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In restating this, Jesus, because of the joy promised to him by his Father, Jesus endured an unimaginable last three days on this earth. And because of this, we, who have placed our faith in him, are promised the same joy, and it surrounds us. So where should we find our joy? We can find complete joy only in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The very same God who set joy before his son Jesus directs us to find joy in our hope in him. When Jesus was praying in the garden just hours before his betrayal, his arrest, and his execution, this was part of his prayer. John 17, 13 says, Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they would be filled with my joy. One of the last things on Jesus' mind before he would go to the cross was his desire for us to be filled with joy. For example, Psalm 1611 mentions finding joy in God's presence. Philippians 4 instructs us to rejoice in the Lord. And in John 15, Jesus tells us that he gives his complete joy to us. Jesus gives us his joy. Verse 11 tells us these things, and this is the chapter about abiding in the Father. He is the vine, we are the branches. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Abide isn't a word we typically use in our day-to-day -day language anymore, but it's a good word. I'd like to try something, if you'll allow me. <laughs> Let's take a moment right now to practice abiding. Some of you may do this on a regular basis, but for others, it may be a new experience and even a bit uncomfortable. And that's okay. I'll time us for one minute. Close your eyes if you will and just breathe and sit in his presence. And promise me you won't go through your grocery list or what you need to do this afternoon. And maybe let your hands rest in your lap in a palms up position and a receiving position if you'd like. And let's just abide for a moment and let his joy seep in.
Friends, our one short minute is up. How was that for you? Was it peaceful or was it challenging? Did God bring anything to mind that brings you joy? Sometimes we need to be still and focus on his promises. There are so many. And to just focus on his promises. Friends, it is important to purposely cultivate joy in our lives, even when we are not really feeling it. This does not mean we should fake or hide our emotions. Instead, it means that we, should, that we can choose to pursue Jesus and the joy we can find in him in all our circumstances. Just as the wonderful hymn says, it is well with my soul. The condition of our soul is not contingent on our circumstances. Let me repeat that. The condition of our soul is not contingent on our circumstances. Our relationship with Jesus is our greatest joy. Do you truly believe that? Because he is, he is our greatest joy. So the grandparents in the room, that joy you feel when your grandkids come to visit, the joy of the Lord is greater than that. And what about the joy you feel when your kids have grown and established good lives for themselves and The joy of the Lord is greater than that. And what about the joy you have just up here in the mountains with these beautiful sunrises and sunsets? And the joy of the Lord is greater than that. He gave us life for us so that he gave his life for us so that we could have a relationship with him. He gives us complete joy, which we simply cannot find apart from him. His joy is a gift that we can choose to accept and pursue no matter where we are in life and no matter our circumstances. Going back to the verse in 1 Peter 1.8, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Who was Peter talking to when he spoke of this inexpressible and glorious joy? Well, verse 1 tells us that he was speaking to God's chosen people who are away from their homes and are scattered all around the countries of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. That's 1 Peter 1.1. Peter was speaking to persecuted Christians. The joy offered by God is different than the one, say, that's offered by a car dealership when you first sit in that new car and smell that new car smell. Or even the joy of seeing friends or relatives that you haven't seen in a really long time. As wonderful as these things are, they do not compare to the joy promised to us by God. God is not interested in putting a temporary smile on your face. He wants to deposit a resilient hope in your heart. He has no interest in giving you shallow happiness that melts in the heat of adversity. But he does offer you a joy, a deep-seated, heartfelt, honest-to-goodness, powerfully strong sense of joy that can weather the most difficult of storms. Peter referred to this joy in the opening words of his epistle. These people, people who had been driven from their cities, separated from their families, their rights had been taken away, their property had been taken away, 
Their possessions had been taken. Their futures had been taken. But their joy, their joy had not been taken. And why? Let's go back to Peter's epistle, this time in a different translation. You have never seen Jesus, and you don't see him now. But still you love him, and you have faith in him. Their source of joy was Jesus. And since no one could take their Jesus, no one could take their joy. Let that sink in. Since no one could take their Jesus, no one could take their joy. What about you? What's been taken from you? Think about it. Can death take your joy? No, because Jesus is greater than and has conquered death. Can failure take your joy? No, Jesus is greater than your sin. Can betrayal take your joy? No, because Jesus promises to never leave you. Can sickness take your joy? No, because God has promised, whether on this side of the grave or the next, to heal you. Can disappointment take your joy? No, because though your plan may not work, know that God's plan will. Death, failure, betrayal, sickness, disappointment, they cannot take your joy because they cannot take your Jesus. And Jesus promised, no one will take away your joy, John 16, 22. What Jesus said to his followers, he says to you. And do you believe that? What, what Jesus said to his followers, he says to you today. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete, John 15, 11. Christians of the early New Testament church were not known for their buildings or denominations or the programs they offered. They were known for their joy. In the description of the early church found in Acts 2, 46 and 47, they ate together in their homes, happy to share their food with joyful hearts. They praised God and were liked by all people. Our joy will not be perfect in this life. We will always strain and struggle. We will have our angst and anxieties. We will have our ups and downs. Yet even here, even now, we sample the sweetness of joy. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Once again, God gives us joy, even if we are not happy. We do not have to smile all the time, and we are not promised sunshine and roses in this life, but we are promised salvation and eternal life, which is cause for great, inexpressible, and glorious joy. Let us pray. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, we love you, and we are so very grateful for your glorious gift of joy. To know that you are the source of our joy, and that it is your desire that we be a joyful people. Father, help us to exhibit this joy to those around us. Let your joy shine through us, so that others want to know where our joy comes from. 
Then, Father, give us the confidence in the words to share with them your promise of joy. Lord Jesus, not only did you give us joy, but you also gave us a model of prayer, which we now pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.